Well, good morning. It is my delight to be here again with you. It's surprising that you'd have me back, frankly. But that is a good, good thing. So thank you so much for the opportunity I have to be with you today. I, I love coming out to Marshall, to Grace Baptist Church. I think this is the third time I've gotten to preach here. And uh, it's, it's, uh, I, just, I, I love the church family here. I love the, the fact that you have meals together regularly. Uh, Fressel is a German name. And I was told it means to eat heartily. So I always enjoy uh, opportunities to gather with our church family to have food together. And I just sense the, the, uh, the just the good spirit here among the church. And I, I thank God for your pastor, uh, gifted, and uh, the, the fact that we could have part in his ministry as we, as we got to train him there at Detroit Baptist. So it's good to be here. My name's Tracy. Um, um, sometimes they, they say, your name's Tracy? Yeah, it's Tracy. They assured me 57 years ago it was a boy's name. And, uh, and this is my wife, Marcia. She, uh, she has gotten to serve your church over the past year or so with her uh, skills in, in accounting. So it's good to have Marcia here with me. I'll respond to, um, she'll respond to Marcia or Tracy, but I won't respond to Marcia. You got to call me Tracy. So uh, sometimes that gets a little confusing. Um, 1980 a runner in the Boston Marathon crossed the finish line at two hours, 31 minutes and 56 seconds. Uh, she was credited with winning the female category of the Boston Marathon in 1980. Her name was Rosie Ruiz and finished the time in uh, the marathon in, in two hours, 31 minutes and 56 seconds. They were a little bit uh, not sure about that because she wasn't sweating very much after she finished the, the, the Boston Marathon. They, they said she wasn't panting very much, she wasn't sweating. Usually runners are covered in sweat. And uh, they talked to her a little bit afterward and, and she couldn't remember what most runners would remember, their splits as they ran the 26 miles on the Boston Marathon. Come to find out, Rosie Ruiz never ran all 26 miles. She jumped in at the last little bit and, and ran across the finish line like she won the female division. Uh, it, one of the things that was interesting was that according to her finishing time, she had improved her marathon time since she had last run it uh, a month before that Boston Marathon by 25 minutes. And that was a little bit of a giveaway for them. But she didn't actually you know, retain that title of winning the the Boston Marathon for the women's division in 1980. She had cheated. She took a shortcut. You know, I, I thought about that, and I thought about the text of the day, and I thought about this church, uh, Grace Baptist Church, just like Intercity Baptist Church. Don't you want the, the church to really uh, be the kind of church that honors the Lord and, and makes a difference in folks' lives here? And as we drove in, and I just thought about the people that live around this church building, and and you want to be the kind of church that really makes a difference for God's glory, don't you? I mean, I, that's what I want Inner City Baptist Church to be. The, the reality is God's given us a mission. He's given us a desire to do his work, but we have to do his work his way. If, if we're going to do the work that he's called us to, we must do it his way. Uh, we can't be like Rosie, trying to take a shortcut in order to, to, to attain some sort of goal but yet not competing by the rules, not doing it the right way. And, and we think about the church, God's told us what to do. What, what does God value in a church? He values faithfulness. That's success as a church. 
It's faithfulness. And as, as we steward the gifts God's given us, he says that's really the measure of success. It's, it's faithfulness. Many, many, many years ago, it's recorded in Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 15, God made a promise to Abraham. He said, I'm going to make of you a great nation, more than the stars of the, of the sky, you know, we think more than the sands of the sea. God said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And he makes that promise to Abraham in Genesis. And then the question becomes, will God keep his word? Will God do it? Okay, and, and, and you've been around church long enough, most of you, to know that, how that book of Genesis plays out, right? I mean, here comes different patriarchs, and the book kind of ends with, with Joseph, and, uh, and, 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 and he's a patriarch of God. He's leading the people, even though he's down in Egypt, and uh, it's, it's flourishing because of, because of Joseph's work. But then we read the end of Genesis into Exodus that, that there was a Pharaoh that arose who knew not Joseph. And what happens now in Exodus? The people of God, okay? God's people are down in Egypt, and, uh, and there's just a handful of them at the end of Joseph's life. And what's the Pharaoh doing? You know, he's saying, more bricks, more bricks, and he's just pushing down hard. And the question is, I thought God made a promise. I thought it was going to be a great nation. And yet, they're down in Egypt being oppressed. And the question is, does God need somebody's help to do it a different way to see God keep his promise? You know, God makes a promise, but the question is, does he need my help? God expects me to be a responsible participant in what he's called us to do. There are certain things that only God will do, right? And there are certain things that God won't do because he expects us to do them, but we must do them his way. And, 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 and now the people are in Egypt, and they're being oppressed, and, 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 and God's going to raise up somebody to lead them. And you all know that's Moses. But there's a point in Moses' life when it seems like it's not working out well. And Moses thought he had to help God by helping God do it Moses' own way to accomplish the goal. And we'll look at that this morning, but before we do that, let me ask you, what, what's God put in your heart to do? You know, you've gathered here on this Sunday morning, and I know the type, kind of people who would be gathered in the church on a wintry February morning out of the kind of people that wants to see God's work advanced in this church. I know that. Okay? I, I know that's the, the vast majority. That's why you're here, because you want to meet God and see his work advanced. We think about the church together. We think about our own contribution in the church. What is it that, that you would like to do for God in the church? You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm the loudmouth in our family. Marsha's the brains of our family, all right? Uh, we switch those roles, and, and she wouldn't want to be up in front of everybody, okay? We, we, owe, we each have our roles, and, and God's letting us do that. But what's your desire? Maybe it's, we, just had, we just had deacon nominations and, and that sort of thing. Maybe you're like, man, I just wish I could be a deacon here at the church. Or some, somebody says, I just wish I could be a part of this committee or this group of people. I wish I could have this place in the church. And maybe God's put that in your heart. But the question becomes, how do you see that accomplished? How do you see that realized, that dream, that desire God's put in your heart? Do you have to kind of do it your own way to get God to do something? 
or can rest on God's truth and his word to help see that dream become a reality. Maybe it's you know, just your, your life as you're, as you're living for the Lord, you know, your, your workaday life. Maybe some of you say, man, I'd love to be able to have this job. I'd love to be able to do this for my family. I wish I could do this in the community. And the question is, do you have to take a shortcut to see God do that? Does he need you to do it your own way to see that happen? Or can you trust God and be faithful to obey his word and see his will accomplished? And again, I don't know what that is. For, for me, when I was, a, when I was a, a kid, a teenager, I was like, Lord, I just want to get married. <laughs> right? That's, I just want to get married. Don't come back, Jesus, until I get married. I know, you act like you never prayed that prayer. I know you did, all right? Okay? It was, you know, get married and, and have a job and, and establish a home. And, and you had those desires. And you wanted to see God do that. You know, God's been so kind to me. If I took you back to Inner City Baptist High School where I graduated in 1985, and I took a yearbook for you and opened it up, when our senior year, they took pictures, Marsh and I were starting to date. They took a picture of us. It said, and underneath it, it says, the future youth pastor at Inner City Baptist Church and his wife. Literally, that's what it said in the 1985 yearbook. You know what God did for us? He let us do that. Okay, he gave us that desire. I got to be the youth pastor. I got to marry Marsha, who was, we were dating at that time. God, let us do that. And sometimes God gives us those dreams. Sometimes we don't get those things that, that we hope and wish we could have. But again, the question comes back to, do you have to take a shortcut? Do you have to do it your own way to see God's work advance? Or can you trust God and obey him and let him reveal his will for you as it's lived out in your life. I look at some folks here who've been around for a few years, okay, and maybe you feel like you're on the backside of, of, of your life. The question is, does God have work for you to do? Is there something God has for you to do? Can you trust him and obey his word to do his work? And I want you to know, yes, you can. And I want us to see from God's word an example of somebody who, who thought they had to do it their own way, and, and then they recognize that, and you see even in that the mercy of God in your life. You say, you know what, I've screwed up my life. Yeah, I've made wrong choices, and I haven't done it God's way. Is, is my life over? Is there any hope for me? I want you to see there is hope, because God's word says, he who covers a sin will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes finds mercy. God is a God of mercy. There's still work for you to do. So this morning, if that interests you at all, if you're the kind of person that says, I, I want to, to see God work in my life, in our church, in my life in the church, in my life through the church, wherever it is, I want you to know there's hope. And we can see from the word of God, there's a warning of what not to do, and there's hope even in our sinful choices, we see God's work. I gave you a handout this morning. Hopefully that helps you. At least keeps you from falling asleep, right? So you know where I'm going. There is a method to the madness. And, uh, and so this morning you have that handout. I just want you to see that, you know, really the question is, what happens when you take matters into your own hands? Okay? The big idea is God, God wants us to pursue his work, his way, in order for us to have success. And don't take it into your own hands. Okay? Don't feel like you've got to do it your own way. You can do it God's way, but what happens? Well, simply two points this morning. Number one, don't do your work your own way. It won't work. 
All right, so let's look at the Word of God. Exodus is our passage, Exodus chapter 2. All right, Exodus chapter 2. If you look with me, again, chapter 1, we did a study of Moses earlier this year in our Sunday school class, and, uh, and we, we, we saw the promise to Abraham, and then Exodus opens up with the people of God in Egypt getting oppressed. And, uh, and for years, they're down there. And they knew the promise of God, and they kept thinking, when? When? For 400 years. I mean, they're just getting beat. More bricks, more bricks. And in and, and, and Exodus 1, God provides that, that child, though it'll be years from then that he actually becomes a leader. But Exodus 1's about that. Exodus 2, then, is, is all about how, um, you know, that, that child's provided, and, and we see that. And, and you know the story of, of Moses' birth and, and, and the bulrushes and all that. Remember being a kindergartner at, at First Baptist Church of Wixom. Mrs. Highslope was my teacher. Taught us all about that. But let's look at verse 11. All right, verse 11 of Exodus chapter 2. And we'll read just a few verses and get into the story. Verse 11 of Exodus 2, it says, Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up, that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew one of his brothers. So he looked this way and that, and when he saw, when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. He went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the offender, why are you striking your companion? They said in verse 14, but he says, who made you a prince? or a judge over us. Are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid, and he said, Surely the matter has become known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. And we'll just uh, finish our reading there. We'll look at the rest of the passage later. You see the story, right? Moses. He's, he's been, been raised in Pharaoh's home. He's enjoyed the luxury of, of, of what he had there. But I believe, I believe Moses, from his earlier, sensed God's call in his life. And that's what I'd say first. Moses sensed the call of God in his life. Okay? I think Moses understood that God had something special for him. He had, he had given him a birth that was amazing. I mean, the providence of God that you see in this chapter as Moses is born is just remarkable, isn't it? I mean, it's just amazing how God provided for him. And I, I believe that Moses had a sense of God's calling in his life. He knew he was special. Okay? He, he didn't really fit in the, in the palace, and he knew that. I think his, I think his mom had, had taught him the things of God when he was just a child as she attended to him, as she cared for him. And Moses sensed God's calling in his life. I mean, it says that, you know, it says in verse 11, it came about in those days when Moses has grown up, he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labor. I think he's going out because he senses God's called him to do something. And he goes to, to see what's happening. I say number two under that, Moses surveyed the people of God in Egypt. He goes out sensing God has a plan for his life. And he, he goes to see what's happening with the people. Okay? Wouldn't you kind of like to see the, 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 
you know, the, the pictures of this, if you could see it on a, some sort of video. You know, I, I don't know if you have a, had a driver, you know, or, or he just went out and just, he's going to see what's happening with the people of God. He sensed that those were his people and he wanted to see what was happening, okay? Number three, then what happens? Okay, we read it here. It says in verse number 11, he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brothers. Okay, again, the text, I think, is, is helping us to understand that he understands that he doesn't really belong there. God has something greater for him. And he sees, number three, Moses reacted to the, the what? <clears throat> the mistreatment of the Hebrews in Egypt. Okay? Both in their collective mistreatment and in this case, the mistreatment of this one particular person. Okay? The question becomes, Moses has sensed God has something special for him. And, and, and he says, I, I'm going I'm to take care of this. I'm going to deliver God's people one person at a time if I have to. And I think Moses steps in. He sees what's happening, and Moses steps in. Now, what in this text helps us to see that Moses was really not doing it God's way, he was doing it his own way? What's verse 12 say? It, it, there's a sense of, of, of hiding, isn't there? There's a sense of secrecy. He says in verse 12, he says, so he looked this way and that. Can you kind of picture that? He says, mm, ha, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to do it my way. I see there's a thing of water here. Can I have that? Excellent. Thank you. Jehovah Jireh, God provides. Thank you. I forgot to bring some water with me. I mean, can you sense that? He looks this way. He looks that way. He says, I'll take this into my own hands. And I say Moses reacted, reacted to the mistreatment of the Hebrews. How would you know, how would you know that you're, you're doing something, that you're saying, I'm trying to do this for God, but it's not God's way? Let's think about this just for a second. James 1 says the anger of man does not accomplish the what? The righteousness of God. Okay? So I tend to think my children are obeying. They want them to obey. So what do my children need? In my sinfulness, I think, well, they just need a, a, a louder person, right? Okay? If I just get louder, that will force them into obedience. And yet... And again, I'm not saying necessarily loud is wrong, but anger is, it's, it, it's that emotion of displeasure, and, I, and sinful anger is displeasure at really the wrong thing, or displeasure expressed the wrong way, displeasure uh, uh, displayed or expressed for the wrong reason. Jesus was angry in the temple but his anger was righteous anger, because why? He was, anger, he was angry at the right thing for the right reason and handled it the right way. My question for you is, how's your anger? Is it righteous anger? Okay. And far often in my life, it's not righteous anger. It's I'm mad, I'm ticked, I'm inconvenienced, and I'm gonna express this in a way that is a, a way of destruction. Moses expresses his anger in the wrong way. How would you know if your, if your response to a situation is wrong? How would you know? Any thoughts about that? 
I don't know if we interact much here on a Sunday morning. Probably don't, okay? We're all, you know, like this. But in your own mind, how would you know if you are trying to, to help God, and I say help God in a, in a wrong way, God needs my help in a situation, okay? How would you know? Well, my question for you is, are you expressing it in the right way? Okay? Are you using words that are words that tear people down or build them up? Okay? I'd say, what are, you, what are you expressing frustration at? Is it really their sinfulness or is it more their, the sinfulness that's inconveniencing me? Okay? The question is, are we... Are we trying to do it through our own strength? Are you more concerned about what others think or what God thinks? Okay. Are you trying to cover up your sin or hide it from others? That's what seems to be happening here in verse 12. He looked this way and that, and when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. He's trying to cover his sin. Listen, when you face a situation that you think you want to do something for God, but in the way that you're trying to do it is expressing it the wrong way. My friend, you're not doing it God's way. You're doing it your own way. Okay? Moses tried to cover up his sin. He tried to hide it from God and from others. I don't know where that shows up in your life. Okay? And I, I was praying just even today as I was coming out here. I, I don't know what the needs are in your own life, but hey, listen. Is there something in your life that you're trying to keep hidden from others? Because you've got to do it your own way. Because God's not giving you what you think you need. And so I've I got to kind of help him do it my own way. And that hiding, that hiding is, is a sure sign that it's not really God's way, it's your own way. You know, food is my challenge. Food's my challenge. I told you, my, my last name's Fressel. It means to eat heartily. Now, I was told that that's the sanctified way of saying it. My friend who's German said, well, it actually means you're a pig, okay? I don't know. They said it means to eat heartily, okay? You know, you know what I can tend to do at times? I can make food, I can make food my go-to because food doesn't talk back to me. Food gives me what I want, okay? You know, I have a rough day, and somebody's yelling at me, and somebody's doing this at me, and, and it's just not working out. You know, sometimes I come home thinking I'm coming home from work instead of coming home to work, and my wife actually expects me to do things around the house, okay? And, 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 and you know what? When I take a Pop-Tart or two or three, okay, or the whole package, okay, that food gives me what I want, and it doesn't ask me anything in return, okay? I'm just telling you, that's, that's one of my struggles, okay? God's helping me, okay? But, but that's one of my struggles. I can eat ice cream. I can eat a whole gallon of ice cream or half gallon of ice cream and not even give it a second thought. Why? Because it makes me feel good. And it doesn't make me do anything I don't want it to, okay? Hey, let me ask you, what is your go-to? Okay, what's your go-to? What are you trying to find that will give you relief because you think God's not giving you exactly what you need? Okay? And it could, be, it could be spending. Who knows? It could be spending. It could be buying things. It could be, it could be any sorts of you know, stuff that, that uh, we don't want to talk about on Sunday morning. Okay? The question is, what is it that's your go-to? 
for Moses, he saw, fr he, he was frustrated. And he took matters in his own hands and he tried to cover it up. Today, are you confessing and forsaking? Or are you trying to cover? He who covers his sin will not prosper. He will not prosper. Moses reacted to the mistreatment of the Hebrews in Egypt. And number four, Moses received the consequence of his sin being found out by others. What happens? Verse 12, he hit him in the sand. It's almost like, in my mind, I'm picturing God sends a wind and the guy's foot, which was covered by sand, start, you know, the foot becomes uncovered and now they see there's a person under there. Verse 13 says, And he went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the offender, Why are you striking your companion? Uh, I mean, what's, what, what's the thought there? Moses says, Your hero is here. In verse 11, I'm here to save you, and I'll do it one by one if I have to. He looks at verse 13. We, we see in verse 13 two Hebrews. It's not a Hebrew and Egyptian. It's two Hebrews fighting with each other. And what's he saying? How can this be? I was just here to help you get free of the Egyptians, and now two Hebrews are fighting with each other. <clears throat> Why are you striking your companion? Verse 14, but he, one of the Hebrews says, who made you a prince or a judge over us? See, he's getting at the matter, isn't it? Moses says, he rushed ahead of God, of God's time. He says, I'm going to take matters in my own hands. I'm going to deliver these people right now. And he did it the wrong way. And the people says, he says, who made you a prince or a judge over us? Are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid, and he said, surely the matter has become known. The consequence of his sinful choice was, was, that, was that exposure. And what happened in his heart? He was afraid. And when you're afraid, what do you do? What happened in the garden when they were exposed? What did they do? They ran and they hid. And that's exactly what Moses is doing here. Oh no, I've been found out. And what happens? He runs and he hides. When, when Pharaoh heard verse 15 of the matter, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. He runs. He runs away. Hey, listen, are you running today? because of your own sinful choices, thinking you needed to take matters in your own hands and fix it yourself, are you running today? Moses ran. He ran from everything that he had. Okay? Um, I mean, a lot in this story. But he ran. We think about Jonah running from the presence of the Lord. And we'll see this in this passage. Jonah's running, and what does he find? He finds he's exactly where God wants him to be. Moses is running, and he ends up being exactly where God wants him to be. Listen, even in your sinfulness, you can't mess up the plan of God. Do you realize that? I mean, we're not, you know, I mean, I appreciate uh, pastors of prayer. God is omnipotent. He's all wise. He's everywhere. And we can't mess up his plan. Okay? Moses is right where God wants him to be. And we'll see how God handles that. But hey, listen, are you running today? You think you're running from God? You ain't going to get away from him. His hand is heavy on you. You know the way to deal with that? I, I'm just telling you. Okay? I'm telling you from my own experience. Throughout my life, I can take you back to points in my life 
where I was running from God. You know what the greatest feeling is? When you confess and forsake and experience God's mercy. God is so merciful. I, uh, Marcia, I've been married for 35 years. 35 years? Close, right? I forget exactly. Somewhere around there, right? Yeah, I don't know. She's a numbers person. I'm kind of rounded a little bit. 35. Uh, you know what I've had to do through the years? I've had to look at Marcia after trying to... I'm the spender. She's the saver, okay? She's the accountant. I'm the, I'm the spender, okay? You know what I've had to do after some time of spending, trying to hide that stuff? I've just had to say, you know what? I screwed up. Here's what I did. And isn't it so wonderful when you, when you confess your sin and you receive the forgiveness of, of a person and that relationship's been restored after trying to hide and then you just, you just own it. You say, you know what, I messed up, here's what I did. And that, that, that acceptance of a person. You know what, even more than that is when God forgives us. You know, if we're Christians, we're, we're, we're never separated from God. You know, he doesn't hold our sin against us. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, all right? How many of you know? No condemnation. If you confessed your sin, God forgave all of your sin, past, present, and future. But you know what it's like in, in your family relationship with God to try to run from God, don't you? And when you finally just say, God, <sighs> uncle, I messed up. God, would you please forgive me in that personal kind of that relationship. Isn't it wonderful to experience the forgiveness of God? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. And, and we get that cleansing from God. Understand, Moses sins. And we don't have all the story, but, it's, but, but we see in the story that Moses starts to handle his life right. And I simply said this, you, you, you you have to understand, don't do your work your own way. It won't work. It won't work. Eventually, it will be found out. Moses received the consequences of his sin being found out by others. Okay? So I simply say, don't do your work your own way. But the next point is, stop running from sin and selfishness and see what God will do. Just stop. Confess. Forsake. Stop running and see what God does. I tell you, this, the rest of this chapter is so encouraging because you see what God does when Moses stops running. Okay? It says in verse 15, when Moses heard this, he tried to kill Moses, and Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian and sat down by, by a well. Land of Midian is very parched. It's very beige. Okay? It's, a, it's, a, it's a desolate place. It's a desert. And Moses is there. And, and it's so picturesque that he's there in this deserted desert place. But he finds himself by a well. When I say a well, what do you think of? Do you think of any... Now, we got the whole Bible to think about that. But can you think of anybody else who was by a well? Okay? It's a place that, that you need something to drink. But there is a place of, of provision there, of protection. And, and we just think about that. But Moses finds himself in this desert. Sat, sat, he sat down by the well. Let's keep reading. Okay, verse 15 talks about where he ends up. 16, and the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. 
Then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to rule their father, he said to them, Why have you come back so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And what is more, he even drew water for, for us and watered the flock. And he said to his daughters, Where is he then? <laughs> you know, this guy, you know, where is he? Why is it that you have left the man behind and invite him to have something to eat? Verse 21, Moses was willing to dwell with the man, and he gave his daughter Zephora to Moses, and she gave birth to a son and named him Gershom, for he said, I have been sojourner in a foreign land. Verse 23, now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God saw the sons of Israel and took notice of them. Hey, listen, there's a lot in the second half of the chapter. But, but we simply look at three things about uh, what God provided for Moses. All right, number one, or letter A, what does God provide? He provides protection. He provides protection. Verse 15, Moses is running from a person who is going to kill him. Pharaoh wants his life. And what does God do? He, he, he provides protection for him in this, in this faraway place. God provides protection, and we, we see that. Secondly, or let it be, God provides, really, I'd just say provisions, provisions for Moses. There's a well. Gives him something to drink. We saw in those verses 16 through 22 that God provides what else for Moses? A family, a wife, and a child. In the place that Moses was running from Pharaoh, God provided for him what he was really looking for. I tell you, Moses was running because of his sin, and I believe Moses dealt with his sin. As he's sitting by that well, he's there. And I think about I think about Psalm 130. Psalm 130 says, Out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord, hear my cries for mercy. Okay. If you regarded my sin, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is mercy that you would be feared. And Moses is in those, one of those cases where it's out of the depths he's crying to God. Look what I've done. I, I've messed up my life as he sits by that well in Midian. And God provides protection and provisions. He gives him what he needs with his, own, with his own sustaining of his life. He gives him a wife. He gives him, he gives him a child. He gives him a family. Hey, listen, God wants to do those things for you. God wants to meet your needs. Okay? God, God promises that he'll meet your needs. But it's not if you handle your life your own way, you must handle it God's way. You must handle your life God's way. We think about, uh, I was thinking about this as I was getting ready for, for, uh, for today. You know, it's coming up to tax season, right? And you've got to get the maximum refund. And you know, do you have to cut corners on your taxes to, to have the money you need? No. Do it God's way. You've got to do it God's way. Well, I say, number one, or letter A, God provides Moses with protection God provides Moses with the provisions of his life. And let us see, God provides Moses a purpose, a renewed purpose. 
a renewed purpose. He said, and don't you love it? Moses thinks he's got to do it in his own way. So he's going to kill these, these Egyptians one by one with his own hands. And God says, you know what? I got it. I got it. He gets them all the way down to Midian. And then what happens? Verse 23, it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died. And the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage and they cried out. Their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. God heard their, their groanings and God remembered his covenant. And God says, all right, Moses, now, now is the time. And you're going to see that then as you look in the very next, very next chapter, okay? How, how God raises us up to do those things, okay? And we don't have time to look at the next chapter, but we see that, that, that God appears to Moses and says, I've got a renewed purpose for you. Understand, you may have sinned. And you may have wasted years, but understand, if you'll confess and forsake, God says, I'll forgive, and, and he says, I'll give you today, today. Hey, hold, hold your finger here. Let me just show you one verse. I, I love, there's, there's just passages to me that are just so encouraging. Take, take and look back, if you will, at 1 Peter chapter 4. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 4. Here, here would be my encouragement to you today. If you've been struggling with your own sin, and you've been thinking you've got to do it your own way. Confess and forsake. And I love what, what it says in 1 Peter 4.1. Talking about Christ, 4.1, 1 Peter 4.1. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. All right, so the point there is, whole sermon there, but the point is, have a mindset that I'm willing to do whatever God wants me to do, okay, even if it costs me my life. I'm willing to do that. Have that mindset, all right? But even if you haven't, all right, start today. Have that mindset, verse 2, so as to live the rest of the time, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For the time already passed is sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles. It goes on to say those things, but I just would encourage you today with this fact. Hey, so you've messed up. Confess, forsake. So then, verse 2, so to live the rest of your time, whatever day, how many days God have for you? How many days you got left? I don't know. Okay? But however many there are, God help me from today on to live for your will and not for my own desires. I love 1 Peter 4, 2. 4, 3 says, the time passes already sufficient. It's more than enough. Okay? I, I, I may have messed up, but you know what? I have today. I have today so as to live the rest of my life for God's will. God's way. And I love that passage. Well, what, is, what does Moses see? Protection, provisions, a renewed purpose. See what God provides for his people. And those are filled in for you. A long time coming rescue. How many years? How many years were they in bondage there in Egypt? Hundreds of years. Okay, it was a long time coming. Okay, and you see that. Again, look at that passage. It says that the people and the sons of Israel sighed. That's like the understatement of the day, right? They sighed because of these things. Okay. A long time coming rescue, a right on time rescue. Right at God's time, he sends the rescue. So God, verse 24, heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant. And a promise fulfilling rescue. God remembered. When, when remember, what's that mean when he says God remembered? You go, oh, 
all these years, I forgot. Oh, no. Is that what it means? No. It, it means he simply is understanding that now is the time he will put his plan into, pro, in, 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 into place at the right time. Do you understand God is right on time? He doesn't need Moses acting on his own. He needs Moses simply doing what God's told him to do. And that's what he needs you. Okay? God's got a plan for your life. He's got work for you to do. And you know what? We start today with the rest of our days. We say, God, I'll do your will the rest of my days your way. Hey, listen, what, how do you know what a good husband is like? It's right here, isn't it? What do you do? How do you know a good wife, what, what she's like? It's right here. God's told us, hasn't he? You know, what's a good parent like? Right here. A good, a good son or daughter, right here. A good worker, right here. This word is sufficient for all of the issues of my life to live a life that pleases God, to do his will. God says it all. So I spend my life saying, God, let me see the, the truth of your word. Let me see the people in your word that, that model these things. We can spend our life finding out what the will of God is as we study the word of God. The word of God helps us to do the will of God. Are you with me? So Moses sees God provide these things. The people see God provide these things. A long time coming rescue, a right on time rescue, and a promise fulfilling rescue. Hey, listen, he made a promise to Abraham years ago. Will God keep his promise? Answer, yes, he will. He will. Well, just a couple things then for reflection and we're done. Number one, having a God-given desire is a good thing, but it's just the first step. So look for it. What is it, that God's, what is it that God's put in your heart to do? Here in the church, in your family, in the community, in your workplace, what is it that God's put in your heart to do? Do you have a sense that God's given you something to do? <coughs> Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. What are the good works that God wants me to do? Look for it. Pursuing a God-given desire is a process. So ask, practice, wait, and be ready. You must be ready to do God's will. For Moses, it was one step at a time. And for you, it's the same. Number three, realizing a God-given desire is a matter of God's sovereign design. So trust him. Hey, listen, for 400 years, <laughs> these people are in, in, in Egypt just getting beaten down. And God says, I got a plan. I got a plan, and I'll do it at my time. Hey, listen, your, your God has a plan for your life. I can't tell you what it is, but I can tell you this. You can trust God every day, every day. And when it's his time for that desire to be fulfilled, he'll make his will known. You say, well, Tracy, that, that's, that's kind of mystic. Well, it's not really mystic. All it is, it's simply obeying the word of God every day. And then God opens these doors and he gives you opportunity to step right through them for his glory. I can't tell you exactly when that happens, but God has a plan. He's sovereign. He's sovereign in doing that. And, and our sin can't mess that plan up. Isn't that great? Okay. As, as much as I sin, and God knows, I can't mess his plan up. But my, my part is to do what? To confess, forsake, and start with every day God gives me to do his will in my life. So it is to do God's work God's way. And when I see Jesus one day, what will he say? 
He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on in. Enter into the joy that I prepared for you. Don't you want to hear that one day? You know how you'll hear that one day? By living every day according to God's word and pursuing God's will. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. The story of Moses helps us to see that. God, please help every one of us, me and Marcia, this church family here, God, with our every day to pursue your will. Thank you for the story of Moses who showed us that, that it doesn't help us to step ahead of you. God, help us to wait and trust you. And then when you open those doors and provide the right time, help us to, in obedience, with confidence to step through in obedience. And God, may you do that for Grace Baptist Church here. Help them to be a church that is, is making a difference in folks' lives because they're faithfully pursuing your will. Bless this church, we pray in Jesus' name.